Salvation Now podcast, where you'll discover and be equipped with keys from the Word of God that will pave the way to God's unlimited blessing in your life. Now, here's your host, Evangelist T.J. Malkanji. Mark chapter 11 and verse, let's start from verse 12. Now the next day, when they had come out from Bethany, Jesus became hungry and seen from afar fig trees, having a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would see something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing on it but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to it, let no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. Now skip down to verse 20. Now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you curse is withered away. So Jesus answered and said, have faith in God. Or a more appropriate translation would have been, have the faith of God. For assuredly, I say unto you, Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things which he said shall come to pass, it shall be as he has said, or he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say unto you, whatsoever things you ask when you pray, believe that you have received them, and you will have them. Whatever things you ask for, Believe that you have received them and you will have them. Jesus gets to a fig tree and he sees that he was hungry. And he, he expected that thing to produce good fruit for him to eat. But when he saw that there was no, no fruit, there was no figs on the tree, it ticked him off. And the Bible says he responded to the fig tree. Meaning he answered the fig tree. Which is like crazy if you think of it. Like why are you talking to trees? But Jesus knew. You know, he, the Bible says Jesus was the word and Jesus is the word. He knew the power that our words have in creating and in deteriorating. And he released words of death over that tree and said, may you never eat fruit again. His, I could just imagine his disciples, Peter, James, John, all the, the, the 12 of them, and whoever else was following him at the time. And this guy's crazy. Look at, now he's talking to trees. Okay, I saw him heal the sick. I've seen him raise the dead. But talking to trees, having authority over those things, that's, that's uh, pretty far-fetched. This guy's starting to lose his marbles. You know, he's, he's probably getting too far into it, like a lot of ministers we've seen, and he's becoming ultra-charismatic. But look what happened. You know, wisdom is justified by her children. We, I, I don't see people's wisdom. You know, your great words and great ideas, that's not a sign of people's wisdom. A sign of people's wisdom, that it's godly wisdom, and that it's good wisdom, and it's successful wisdom, is the results that it's produced. Wisdom is justified by her children. What, what, what did this produce? He spoke to the fig tree, and the next morning, Peter, who knows what happened the night of. Maybe God sent an electric, like a lightning bolt and just zapped that, that fig tree, and it withered down and got destroyed. Who knows how it happened? But the Bible says that it had, Peter looked and saw that it withered away, and he marveled. And said, Master, look, the fig tree. We thought you lost your mind, but the thing you actually said came to pass. Jesus probably smirked a little and said, Hey, my son, have the faith of God. What did he say by saying, have the faith of God? What was he signaling? He was saying, this isn't just because I'm Jesus. I, I didn't do this so you can look at me and say, Whoa, look at Jesus. He can even command fig. No, he said, now you too 
have that same faith and you will say to this mountain, be thou uprooted. You think a fig tree's big? You think this is actually a, a huge miracle? You thought this was awe-striking? I, I tell you the truth. You can even say to a mountain, which a mountain has a much more solid foundation than a tree. A tree's roots may run deep into the earth, but a mountain is connected to the earth. A mountain is the earth. It's a, pl uh, uh, it's a, it's a, a, a plate. And he said, you can actually say to the mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea. And it shall come, if you don't doubt in your heart, but believe that the things which you're saying, you will have the things that you say. You know, Jesus spoke of three different types of faith in the Bible. I'll read the first one. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. So if you just move a few pages left in your Bible. Mark 4, 35. On the same day when evening had come, Jesus said to them, let us, let us cross over to the other side. When they left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other boats were, were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat against the boat so that it was already filling up. But Jesus was asleep in the, in the stern on a pillow. And they awoke him and said, Teacher, don't you care that we're perishing? He arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But Jesus said to his disciples, How, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they were fearing exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the waves and the sea obey? So you see another instance when Jesus spoke to something that was harassing, trying to, to keep him from accessing his destiny. Jesus spoke to that thing. They Remember, Jesus had already said, let's cross over to the other side. When Jesus gave that first commandment, that first instruction, when the windstorm, the windstorm had no ability to prevent those disciples and those boats from getting to the other side. Because Jesus had already commanded it, it's, it's uh, coming to pass was guaranteed. Because Jesus had already commanded it, it's coming to pass had already been guaranteed. But you'll notice that when the wind came and, and the, the waves started beating against the boat, that he start, the disciples started panicking and saying, Master, don't you care that we're perishing? What did Jesus list those words as? He said, why are you fearful? How is it that you have no faith? So that's the first level. There's a no faith level. where, And it's not just people who don't believe and never believe. It's not just the atheist who just, you know, thinks that Christianity is just a farce and some fairy tale. That no, You know, these people weren't atheists. They believed in God. But their faith level had been depleted. They had exhausted their faith because they hadn't taken responsibility in developing their faith. There are many Christians in the body of Christ today that have exhausted their faith. They have no faith. Not that they have no faith. They, they're saved. But they have no faith for anything else. They've exhausted it. They've thrown in the towel and have quit. They have quit. And Jesus said, I mean, look at what Jesus told to Peter. When Peter was, when he was about to be betrayed, when Jesus was about to be betrayed, and Peter said, I'll follow you wherever you go. I'll even be crucified with you if I have to. Jesus said to, her, to Peter, I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. There are people in the body of Christ whose faith has failed. Their faith has been exhausted. They didn't take responsibility in building their faith on the Word of God. And as a result, any little thing, you saw it here, a little bit of waves, a little bit of storm, a little bit of, of a torrential downpour, and all of a sudden, they fear settled in because the absence of faith is fear. When you have no faith, you have your, your if you're not faithful, you're fearful. 
If you're not faithful, you're fearful. When you're fearful, you can know you're not faithful. And it's impossible to please God unless you're faithful. It takes faith to please God. It takes faith to get God on the scene. The first level Jesus dealt with is the no faith level. Then if you skip on to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew 14. The Bible says in the fourth watch, verse 25, Jesus was walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a ghost. And they cried out for fear, saying, Jesus, uh, sorry, they cried out for fear, saying, it is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them, saying, be of good cheer, it is I. Don't be afraid. Meaning, have faith, don't be afraid. See, right again, you're fearful, you're faithless. When you're faithful, you're fearless. Faith will eradicate fear from your life. Faith will, will paralyze fear in your life. Whereas the same on the flip side, fear will paralyze faith in your life. When you, and how does fear settle in? Fear settles in the same way faith settles in. How does faith come? Faith comes by hearing, hearing the report of God. How does fear come? Fear comes by hearing, but hearing the negative reports of the world, hearing the reports of the devil. It comes the same way. So actually, it's not up to God to keep you faith-filled, and it's not up to God to keep you fearless. It's my responsibility and it's your responsibility to maintain faith-filled, a faith-filled lifestyle and a fearless attitude. How do you do it? By constantly, like David, like, like, like David said all throughout the, the Psalms, like uh, Solomon wrote throughout the, the, the Proverbs of Solomon. I have inclined your, my ear to your word. I have kept my eyes fixed on your word. I have not departed from the words of your mouth. So that my trust would be in you, even you. Proverbs 22. So that my perfect faith would be, would be in you. Fear is just faith in the devil. That's what fear is. Fear is believing what the devil said over believing what God has said. So you can know when there's any type of fear in you, you know that your, your strength in the word of God isn't sufficient. Whatever you fear in life. You know, there's some people, they don't fear going to hell because they have sufficient faith to believe that they're saved. And then they're on their way to heaven. But then there's some people who, who are, who, who, though they believe they're on their way to heaven, they're scared of sickness. They're terrified of sickness. Because they haven't built their faith in the word of God. That they've been delivered from the dominion of sickness and disease. They haven't built their faith in the word of God. That they've been translated out of the, the kingdom of sickness and disease. That they're no longer, they're no longer a prey or a victim of sickness and disease. There's some people who have faith to be kept from sickness, faith that they're going to heaven, they're not scared of hell, but then they're scared of poverty. They're so stingy. They don't want to spend anything. Anytime a bill comes up, they get scared. Oh, how am I going to make the end month's payment? How am I going to, how am I going to, they, they have fear that cripples their heart when it comes to money because they haven't built themselves up on, faith is compartmentalized. So you identify, what do I fear in life? Find out stories in the word of God, testimonies of God's word that deal with victory over those situations and circumstances, and then you'll build up your inner man so that you won't feel that same fear anymore for those things. That's what the Bible says. Perfect love casteth out all fear. When you identify the love of God in that He's delivered us from all things that would harass us, that perfect love will cast out fear that you'll be fearless and bold to firmly and... and uh, 
confidently declare the word of God in any situation and gain victory and an overcomer's stance in those areas. In Jesus' name. So there's no faith. Then look at this. Be of good cheer. It's I do not be afraid. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come on the water with you. So Jesus said, come. When Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water. If you're joining this broadcast, I encourage you, share the broadcast as much as you can. Get it out. And I thank you in advance for doing that. Come. When Peter had come down out of the, go- out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. You know, a lot of people criticize Jesus. They criticize him because he, you know, sorry, they criticize Peter because he sunk. He didn't stay long. But, you know, he's probably the only person, unless someone else in history without documented to walk on water by the power of God. But he's probably the only person, he's the only one documented that actually walked on water. I mean, that in itself is, is a sign of great faith. But look at what happened. Though he started off in faith, look at what happened. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he became afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand, caught him, and said to him, O ye of little faith, why did you doubt? Ye of little faith. No faith. Number two, little faith. People who start off well. But because there's not a sufficient level of faith to carry on and to gain the the utmost victory, to to actually hit the finish line, to actually press and reach the goal in the prize that's in Christ Jesus. They fail because of days of adversity. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 24, 10, if you fail in the day of adversity, it's because your strength is too small. You have a responsibility to developing the strength of your faith, the strength and power of your inner man to the point that no boisterous wind, no circumstances, nothing in the natural can deter me from the track of faith that God has me on. Nothing will get me to change my confession. Nothing will take me, nothing will get me to look at the boisterous winds and keep my eyes focused on those things. My eyes, like like Paul said in Philippians, my eyes are fixed on the prize. I run in such a way that I might obtain the prize. My eyes are fixed on Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of my faith. I don't look at my out, the exterior circumstances. I look upward. I don't look outward. I look upward. And as I keep looking upward, God keeps taking me higher and higher. That's what Paul said. No, I don't look at the things which are behind. I don't look at the life I left. I don't look at the problems I'm I'm leaving behind me. I've already cast my care on the Lord. I'm not looking at them. I'm not reeling them back in. My eyes are on Jesus Christ. He's the author of my faith and he that began the good work. He's also the finisher of my faith. He shall complete it in Jesus mighty name. Peter started off well, but it's when he got his eyes off Jesus. He got his eyes off the manifestation of his miracle. He got his eyes off the miracle worker. He got his eyes off the healing. He got his eyes off the word of God, which guarantees prosperity. He got his eyes off the word of God, which guarantees restoration for his house. He got his eyes off the word of God, which guarantees health in his body. And when he kept his, when he started focusing elsewhere, that's when he began to sink. Because fear causes you to sink. But faith causes you to rise higher and higher. Fear causes you to sink, but faith causes you to rise higher and higher. Peter started off well, but he had little faith. He only had faith to take him thus far, 
but he couldn't, he couldn't go on any further. He had faith to get him to a little, a little bit of success, but overcoming all challenges was impossible because his faith level didn't allow him to obtain. You know, no faith gives you no results. Little faith gives you a little results. But I want to take you to the third level of faith, which is what we're going to deal on today. Great faith. Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. No faith gives you little results. Little faith gives you, no faith gives you no results. Little faith gives you a little bit of results. But great faith gives you great results. And that great faith isn't reserved for a few bunch of individuals who are God's special favored ones. That great faith is up to you and it's up to me to cultivate in our own spirits to the point where nothing that comes against us, no winds, no boisterous winds, no trial, no tribulation that arises could ever back me down from being fully persuaded that what God has said he's going to bring to pass. God will, I pray that from this broadcast, God will put an appetite in your spirit for the word of God. That you'll start to eat and indulge and feast on the goodness of the word. That'll build you up to the point of great faith in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus Christ. I pray a grace comes on you. That whatever you found hard to believe God for before. Will be something easy to believe for him now. You know, look at Mary. Talk about great faith. You're never going to have intimacy with a man. But you'll have a child. And that which shall be born of thee shall be called the son of the most high God. For the power of the Lord shall overshadow you. And the Spirit of God will, will conceive in you a child. And you'll call his name Jesus. What, imagine that something happened. God gave you a word like that. A hard word to believe like that. Everything else in this, it's so easy to believe. That was a, If there was a hard word to believe from God, it was, I'm not having any intimacy with, with another man, and yet I'm, I'm, I'm going to give birth to a child. That's what Mary had to deal with. But what did she say? May it be unto me as you have said. Let it be unto me. I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it, I'm a vessel. Do in me what you said you would do. And what did the angel say? Ah, from henceforth, blessed is she that has believed. For there shall be a performance of those things which are spoken to her by the Lord. Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. This is what Jesus listed as great faith. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him. Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. Jesus said to him, I'll come and heal. So Jesus was willing to come to his house and lay hands on him and see him healed. But the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak the word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority. I have soldiers under me. I can say to this one, go and he'll go. To another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, I just have to tell him, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard those words, he rebuked him and said, you've bought into that hyper-faith garbage. Oh, that is heresy. Centurion, I encourage you, stay away from that name it, claim it stuff. That's not good. That's not what my will is for your life. My will, no. What did he say? Jesus heard it, and he marveled, and said to those who followed, assuredly, I say unto you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And I say to you that many will come from east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. They'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
Then Jesus spoke to the centurion, Go your way. As you have believed, so let it be done unto you. As you have believed, so let it be done unto you. The centurion had an understanding of what great faith was. He didn't just say, God, give me great faith. He knew how to exercise great faith. There's a difference between asking God for great faith, having great faith, and then exercising great faith. First of all, you can't even ask God for faith. It's like I said before, it's our responsibility to cultivate faith. But secondly, you just having great faith is not enough. Just believing you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength is not enough. It's doing all things through Christ who gives you strength that brings you results. And he had an understanding. He said, Jesus, I'm a man under authority. I know what our mouths are for. You know, if you look in Genesis 1, what was the first thing? The first thing God used words for. What is the first thing the Bible describes as, you, as words being used for? What was the spoken, the spoken word expressly used for firstly in the Bible? It was not for communication. It wasn't Adam, the first time words or, or there's a dialogue in the, in the Bible, it was Adam speaking to Eve or Adam speaking to God. The first time there was a dialogue in the Bible, the first time words were spoken in the Bible was in relation to God eradicating the force of darkness by speaking light. The first time God used words listed and recorded in the Bible, its express use was for creation. God has, 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 has used words or has designed words, not Firstly, for communication. Secondly, for communication. But firstly, for creation. That's why the Bible says in Proverbs 18, 21, the power of life and death is in, the, is in the power of the tongue. And those that eat it or love it shall eat of its fruit. The Bible says a man will be satisfied by the words of his mouth. Meaning this is like a, God has, and you know, we're created in the image of God. If God used words for creation, and he said, I'll make man in my own image, that means we have the same, we bear the same image of God and have the same power to buy our words. You know, no other creature on earth can speak. No other creature on earth can actually talk. Can, no, no other creature on earth really communicates in dialogue. They have other ways of communication, but none of them have the power to speak. Only man has the power to speak. Only man and woman has the power to actually express our, to, to, to express our thoughts by vocal expression. That's because we're created in the image of, in the image of God. But you have, to, you have, you have to, to shape your understanding that my words were not given to me to communicate with fellow man. The first reason God gave me the ability to speak is to take authority over darkness everywhere I go. There was darkness hovering over the surface of the deep. There was darkness covering the whole earth. But God spoke and said, let there be light. And darkness left. Why do, why do we have the ability to speak? Because God gave us the ability to speak, to take dominion over darkness. That's why we can tame beasts of the field. That's why we, if our, if our dialogue, if I could tell my dog, come here, and my dog comes running, and I say, sit, and it sits. I have authority over my dog. You think the devil is any different? You and I, brother and sister, have more authority over the devil. Matter of fact, my dog is not very obedient. 
But the devil has no choice but to obey the authority of the word of God on the mouth, in the mouth of a believer. As disobedient as my dog is, the devil is a lot more obedient when it comes from a point of authority. That's what that centurion, that centurion understood. He knew if you'll just speak the word, I know my servant will be made well. I have authority over people. I say to this one, go, and he goes. I say to this one, come, and he comes. I say to this one, do this, and he does this. You have that authority. That's why Jesus stood back and said, wow, I've not found such great faith in all this. He understands. He understands the whole word of faith. He understands how to exercise faith better than anyone else. I pray God will give you an understanding. You know, Jesus, Jesus is the high priest of our confession. Hebrews 3.1. He's the high priest of our confession. That means Jesus will only minister things on our behalf that line up with our confession. He'll never do something that exceeds your confession. Your confession will either limit God or it'll allow the limitless God to go to work on your behalf. I said all that to get down to these five things. Five sayings you should never say. Five sayings you should never say. So now that I know that I have power in my mouth to create things, whether good or bad, you have power on your tongue to create things, whether good or bad. You know, God even said in Isaiah, I, the Lord, create the fruit of your lips, whether good or bad. That's why David said, Lord, set a guard over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Don't make me speak things that are outside your word. Don't make me speak things that are anti-Bible that are anti your will. Because I know if I speak negative, I'll attract negative. But if I'll speak positive, if I'll, not just positive speaking, positive thinking, I'm talking about speaking things in line with the word of God, I'll attract goodness and mercy all the days of my life. That's what David had, David knew that. He said, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O God and my Redeemer. He actually said, Lord, let no wicked thing come out of my mouth. Proverbs, uh, Psalm 34, I believe it is. Or is it Psalm 37? One of those two. He said, who is the man who desires life and loves many days that he might see good? Let him keep his mouth from speaking wickedly and his tongue from uttering deceit. Who is the man who wants great things in life? Who is the one who, who wants to attract God's blessing to their life? You know, blessing is not some thing by luck, by chance. Oh, you know, they're, they're lucky. You know, some people, they say that to me. Wow, you're lucky. You're, you're lu I'm not lucky. I'm blessed. But that blessing didn't come on me because I walked into a wall or put my head in a hat. That blessing came to me because I, like Deuteronomy says, I have set before you life and I've set before you death. And the power of life and the power of death is in my tongue. Oh, that you would choose life. I've set before you blessing and I've set before you cursing. Oh, that you would choose blessing. God wants you to speak the blessing. You can't speak the curse and arrive at the blessing. You can't speak sickness and arrive at health. You can't speak death and arrive at life. You can't speak poverty and arrive at prosperity. You have to speak what God has said in order to see what God wants to see. What, what you want to see done in your life. What are five things that you must never let out of your, mind, your mouth from today onward? Number one. I'm sick and tired. That's a huge one. Lord rebuked me on that. What is it, last year or something? Stop saying you're sick and tired. 
and you won't get sick, and you won't be tired. I, I, I would... I would say, man, I'm sick and tired of people saying, I'm sick and tired of that. I'm sick and tired. And the more I said it, the more I saw myself getting tired and the more I'd have to fight, you know, the sniffles and the cold. But when I cut it off out of my life, I'm telling you, the Lord has fortified my body. The Lord has honored the fruit of my lips. I don't get tired anymore. I, I have more energy at the end of my day because I fill myself with the word and I speak things in line with his word than I do at the beginning of my, it's like I grow and I grow, I grow. I just go to bed because, you know, you know, eventually you, you have to reset your system. But, but that's about it. I'm not getting tired at 4 p.m., you know, having to take a nap to just get through the day. No, I don't say I'm sick and tired. But on the flip side, I don't just stop saying that. I started saying what the Bible says. No, he said, I took sickness out of your midst. He bore my sicknesses. He carried my pains. The Bible says that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. The Bible says the Lord is my strength. He is my salvation. He makes my feet like hinds feet. Nothing can come against me. Everywhere I put my foot on, that's land that God has given unto me. No man can stand against me and get me tired. I will not grow weary. I will not quit. Young men stumble badly and, and grow weary. But they that wait on the Lord, they shall have their strength renewed. They shall mount up high like wings on eagles, like, like eagles on wings. They'll fly. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. I started speaking that. And there's, a, there's actually, you know, there's an actual connection between your, 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 your brain and your body and, and how your body works and how your body feels. That the words you speak actually triggers off your brain to send out signals to your body. So if you start saying, I'm sick and tired, this is an actual secular scientific study that was done that when you speak something your brain will actually release signals to the rest of your body to feel that way I'm sick your body will your brain will actually send signals to your body get ready to be sick get ready to be sick and your body will prep for sickness I'm tired uh, I don't know how I'm gonna make it this week your body will actually receive signals from your neurotransmitter up here to to tell your body Get ready to be tired. Get ready to be tired. Get ready to not make it through the week. But on the flip side, when you start saying, when men are saying there's a casting out, you start saying there's a lifting up. When men are saying, ah, you know, this week's going to be a tough week, you start saying, no, this week's going to be the easiest week we ever had. I'm telling you, every single day, there's a miracle package reserved for me. Every single day, there's something greater reserved for me. God has something new for me every day. There's a surprise God has ready reserved for me every single day of my life. You start speaking like that, you'll actually receive divine strength that while everyone else is sweating through the week, you're just marching on like Mr. Monopoly, you know, with a top hat and a little staff in your hand skipping, buckling your shoes, running to your destiny. It, it's, it's a true thing. Stop saying I'm sick and tired. I'm just tired of people saying that. No, don't say, there's alternates to saying things like that. You know, I, don't, I just say, I don't say I'm sick and tired anymore. I just said, I'll say things like, I can't stand when people say this. I'll say things like, oh, that's stupid. Why would someone say that? You know, there's, alter, there's alter, alternatives to, to I'm sick and tired. You know, the devil can get you to say, I'm sick and tired. Just in your, your, your sub, you know, without even you, it's not like everybody, you know, you could even, I, I always believed in healing since I got saved. But I found myself saying, sick and tired, sick and tired. It's not like I didn't believe in God's health program for me. But if the devil can suddenly just get in that kink in the armor, where I say I'm sick, he has a way in. 
But by speaking things like, no, I'm not sick and tired. I'm healthy and rejuvenated. I'm healthy and vigorous. I'm colorful. I'm strong. I'm courageous. I don't fear. I don't get discouraged. I run this race with strength and vigor. Then the full shield of God, the shield of faith encompasses me round about that no wicked fiery dart of the enemy can ever bypass it. Number one, stop saying I'm sick and tired. Number two, praise God, Mario Varkas. I felt like the woman with the issue of blood for 12 years and knew it. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Someone got healed right on the, right on the broadcast. Praise the Lord. That's it, Nicola. It's true. People say it just, you know, without even thinking. I, I was that. I was like that. My, my wife even. I had to correct. We, we don't say that anymore. It's out of our vocabulary. Completely out of our vocabulary. Number two, I'm fed up. I'm fed up. I'm fed up. What is that? Another? It's just another way of saying I'm, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm weary of this. I'm weary of this. I'm thinking of quitting. I'm fed up. I don't know how I'm going to make it. I don't know if I can do one more day of this. Cut that out of your vocabulary. The Bible says God is not mad. Whatever a man sows, he'll reap. I'm fed up. Well, you'll get ready to quit. You'll get, your body will, will start feeling like getting fed up, like getting weary, like getting, get, it'll set itself to get ready to quit, to throw in the towel. Uh, he's fed up. All right, guys, get ready to calm down. We don't, we, won't, we don't need any more energy to do this. Let's just recline, take a, take a little break. He's fed up. Don't say I'm fed up. The Bible says, they that do not grow weary in well-doing. For in due time, ye shall reap a harvest. Instead of fe- I'm not saying you won't feel fed up. Just don't let it come out of your mouth. I'm not saying you won't feel like you're, 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 you're growing. But don't let it come out of your mouth. Instead, when you feel things like that, you can actually change the way you feel by the words you speak. There was a woman yesterday. I did a, a cell group for my church. She said, I had a migraine, a crazy migraine all day. But I remembered what the pastor spoke on on Sunday. He had spoken on, you know, instead of complaining about things, just give thanks. In everything, give thanks. Not for everything, give thanks, but in everything, give thanks. And she said, instead of complaining about the migraine, which was excruciating, I wanted to just lock myself in a bedroom and just quit for the day. She said, instead, I just started thanking God for strength. I started thanking God that he's more than enough, that he makes me more than a conqueror, that greater is he that's in me than he is in the world, that he... he he, he's my strength and my salvation, that he's my rock. And she said, as I started doing that, I felt something break. My head just stretched out. It felt like it was closing in, and then it stretched out. And as it stretched out, I felt the power of God hit me, and she, that migraine left her. And th- that night, she was testifying. That was in the afternoon. That, and usually these migraines last her like, you know, they get worse as the day progresses. It was at nighttime, when it should have been the worst, that she testified of God's goodness, how she no longer had a migraine. Instead of getting fed up, start saying, no, I'm not fed up. I, the Bible says that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. The Bible says the Lord is my light and my salvation. The war comes against me. You know, people, they get fed up because they have some sort of pushback. They have some sort of opposition. Instead of getting fed up because of opposition, look at that opposition not as some threat to your life, but as an opportunity for a testimony. So instead of being fed up, you'll start getting joyful and knowing that, yeah, the Bible says people will come against me, but God said, I'll defeat them before your face. They'll come up against you one way, but they'll be scattered seven ways. 
When you start seeing things like that and speaking things like that, you won't get fed up. You'll just be led up, led up into God's great throne and glory, led up into God's presence, not fed up, but led up into God's presence, into God's glory, where there's fullness of joy at his right hand. There's not pressures anymore saying I'm fed up. All it does is create pressure. All it does is magnify the devil. All it does is testify of the devil's faithfulness of making your life hell. But if you'll say I'm led up, I've got more than enough to accomplish God's plan destiny for my life, then you'll be led up. And in his right hand, there's pressure, pleasures, not pressures, pleasures forevermore. Your pressures are being translated and transformed into pressure, into pleasures today in Jesus mighty name. Number three, there's no more money. There's no money. Third thing, there's no money. There's no money. I don't have enough. I'm broke. Oh man. I can't tell you how many people in Bible college they always say, I'm broke. I'm just a broke college student. I'm just a broke, you know. And then you have preachers that get up. I remember at Bible college, they'd get up and tell you, you think you're broke now. You know, it doesn't really change. You know, we're, we're 30 years in the ministry and, you know, we're still just trusting God for just enough to get through. And, and they're broke. You speak like that when you're 18, you'll speak. You'll see it when you're 20, you'll see it when you're 30, you'll see it when you're 40, you'll see it when you're 60, and you'll keep speaking it. Until you change your confession, nothing in your life will change. Until your confession changes, the manifestation will stay the same. A soundless Christian is a signless Christian. A soundless Christian is a signless Christian. Meaning, unless you make sounds that are in accordance with, God, with God's word. You won't have signs that are outlined in God's word. I'm broke. I don't have enough to do that. Oh, you know, we can't eat there. That's for rich people only. Oh, we, 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 we don't shop there. That's for rich people only. You know, I'm more of like, you know, I go to the thrift shop. That's the only place where I really buy clothes. We don't have money to go elsewhere. I don't buy new clothes. We only buy old clothes. You keep speaking. You know, there was a, a man of God that had a conference in Florida just last week. And it's a free conference. And this lady said, I wish I had enough money to come to the conference. You know, it's one thing to say something like that in your own private house. But to actually take the time and write it down. I don't have enough money to come to the conference. You know, and she'll never have enough money to come for the conference. You don't change your confession. All these Bible college students that I used to hang out they, not hang out with, but I, I was forced. I lived in a dormitory for, for two years. So I had no choice but to be in, you know, close quarters with them. Not all of them, but a lot of them. You know, I'm just, you want to go out for supper? I got no money. I got no, where are you going? Applebee's. I got no money. It's Applebee's. You can get like two appetizers for $6. Goodness gracious. You think you don't have $6? You have $6. But just by saying, I have no money. I'm broke. I'm, I'm in debt. I got, you know. I'm just happy that I, I'm able to live. There's, uh, instead, start saying what, what God said. What did, what did Philippians say? What did Paul say in Philippians? I am full and abundantly supplied. This guy's in prison and he's saying, I am full and abundantly supplied. Philippians 4 says, not that I was ever in need. You don't speak need. You start speaking need, you attract need. You start speaking supplies, you attract supplies. You start speaking blessing, you attract blessing. You start speaking lack, you attract lack. 
You, you, they never had enough. When I got saved, I didn't have money for Bible college. I didn't have money to pay an $18,000 tuition per year, U.S. dollar. But what did I do? I read in John 16, 24. If you ask me anything in my name, I will give it to you that your joy may be full. It didn't make me joyful that I didn't have that money. It did not make me joyful that I, I couldn't, I, you know, I didn't have money in my hands to pay that off. I, I didn't want to go to mommy and daddy. I didn't want to write letters to my church partners, you know, please send us money. Please send me money. I'd like to go to Bible college. You know, if you can just, any little bit helps. I'm not a beggar. I've been called out of the kingdom of beggarly people into a kingdom of people that are abundantly supplied. Though I didn't have anything in the natural, I knew that I have more than enough because of Jesus Christ becoming my shepherd. He said, the Lord is your shepherd. You shall not lack. I won't lack. So I started saying that. Lord, it didn't make me joyful that I don't have money to pay this right now. And I'm not going to beg anyone. I sowed a seed and I said, now unto you. And I started thanking him that the supplies were coming in. I thanked him that he's my shepherd. I won't lack. I thanked him that no good thing will he withhold from them that walked uprightly. I thanked him that he that faithful is he that calls you. He'll also bring it to pass. Within three months, I had 30000 I sold $300 into a ministry that was winning the loss. And I reaped $30,000 within three months. 30 grand. I didn't, and, and I tell you the truth. I never wrote a letter. To anybody saying, please, please send money our way. Please, we're, we, we, you know, this is the call of God in my life and I'd really like to go to Bible college. I didn't do that. Either you'll make man your supplier or God your supplier. When man is your supplier, that's when you can start saying things like, I don't have enough. I can't afford that. Why? Because you've limited yourself by making man your supplier. But when God, who owns all the silver and all the gold, who owns a cattle on a thousand hill, becomes your supplier, becomes your provider. You know, the Bible says he's El Shaddai, that he's Jehovah Jireh, not Jehovah Bargoni, not Jehovah, let's just find a, a, a you know, let's find an affordable thing. Let's find Jehovah, let's, let's get, you know, Jehovah, we can't afford that. Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah, my provider. El Shaddai, the all-sufficient God. The God who's more than enough. The God who, who the Bible said paved heaven with streets of gold. If he paved heavens with street, with the, if heaven is paved with streets of gold, all he has to do is chip off just one little thing and send it our way. And you'll have more than enough. More than enough to do everything God has assigned for you to do. Stop saying, I can't afford that. Oh, I'd like to go to Bible college, but I don't know if I can afford that. I can afford it. I, I have more than enough. I have all my needs met. Not only are my needs met, I have all my desires taken care of. Because I delight myself in the Lord. He said, I'll give you the desires of your heart. Religion wants to tell you, God's not interested in meeting your desires. He'll barely meet your needs. That's what religion says. But the Bible doesn't teach religion. The Bible teaches provision. The Bible teaches manifestation of God's blessing. I mean, look at Abraham. The second he obeyed God in going out to where he was called to do, called to be. What happened? The very next chapter, Abraham was very rich, very rich. Stop saying I'm poor. Start saying I'm rich. The Bible says, you know of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was poor, yet for your sake he... Oh, sorry, though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that through his poverty we might become rich. Jesus paid the ultimate price for you to be rich. 
Jesus paid the ultimate price for you to have more and abundantly above all that you can think and imagine. Not so that you can live some lavish life, but that you can now be used to pump the gospel, to pump the gospel through the veins of this world, to be a, a, a to be a, 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 someone who's, 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 who's uh, supporting the gospel being proc- proclaimed and preached throughout the four corners of the earth. God wants to use you to do that. Not someone else. I'm poor. I, I don't have enough. I'm, I'm, you'll stay poor. Stop being poverty-minded and you won't live in poverty. The first thing, you know, there are people who, ha- who have money and are poverty-minded and they don't, it doesn't last long. A poverty mindset, even if God were to put a million dollars in your hand tomorrow, because of a poverty mindset, you'd be broke within, within no time. Until you're, as a man thinks in himself, so is he. Doesn't matter what's, what your natural, what's going on, what the resources are that are at your disposal right now. It's what changes up here. You know, Bishop Oyedepo once, he came back from uh, traveling in the States, and one of his fathers in the faith sat him down and said, he had, he had uh, traveled too and had collected offerings, and he put a money bag, just a bunch of money, who knows how much it was, and he told Bishop Oyedepo when he was first starting out, take whatever you need. And Bishop David Oyedepo said, I can easily take what, what you've offered me, but I'm not so much interested in that. I'm more interested in the mentality and the, the attitude that you have that has retrieved that money. I'm not interested in that money. I'm interested in how you got that money. Meaning, I, if I have this mindset and I get that, I'll be broke within two days. But if I can adopt the mindset you have in that you have become clearly a magnet for money, then I know that I'll never be in need. That, that, that won't even compare to what God will put in my hand. You have to adopt the mindset, a mentality. Break the poverty mindset. Break the poverty man- mentality. When everyone else is saying, you know, we can't eat there. You say, take your wife, take whoever out, who you have around you out. Say, no, we're going to eat there and it's on me. Adopt a generous mentality. Because the Bible says, the stingy man comes to poverty. But the generous soul shall be made rich. Number th- three, there's no money. Number four, and I hate this one. I hate this one with every fiber of my being. People laugh. And they say, uh, I'm dying, I'm dying. Oh, I'm dying. You know, they, 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 they'll write on, you know, on message, iMessage or whatever. You'll say a joke and they'll write back, teary face, teary face, teary face, I'm dying. In the sense that, like, I'm dying of laughter. Don't say that. Don't let that out of your mouth. You start saying, I'm dying, I'm dying, I'm dying. What's going to happen? Don't be surprised with premature death. <laughs> I'm not dying. It's very easy to leave out the I'm dying and just say I'm laughing. Or I'm, why don't we just say I'm living with laughter? Instead of saying I'm dying of laughter, I'm living of laughter. <laughs> a merry heart doeth good like medicine. Not a merry heart doeth good like poison. A merry heart doeth good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. Stop saying I'm dying. This is a production plant. What you say in here is what you'll, t- you'll eat of. A man will be satisfied by the fruit of his mouth. James actually said, your tongue is like the rudder of a ship. Wherever you decide to direct and point your tongue at, that's where your life will go. I'm dying, I'm dying. We'll gravitate towards death. But instead, instead of saying I'm dying, start saying, no, I'm living, I'm full of life. I'm full of color. I have a destiny. God has a plan for my life. 
God has, he's the author of life and he's the finisher of my life. All the numbers of my, of my life have been numbered in his book. He said, the number of thy days I will fulfill. I won't go on long with that one. And number five, we'll finish with this. That's impossible. Oh, that's impossible. I know, I know, but that's impossible for me. Stop saying that's impossible. You don't serve a God who said, with man, you know, don't expect anything to turn around. Only, you know, even I can't do everything. There are certain things that, that are impossible for me. But you just have to trust the process. No. He said, nothing shall be impossible to him that believes. Nothing. Anything that looks like an impossibility that God is calling you to, stop saying that's impossible. I, I know what God's calling me to do, but really that's impossible. No. If God's calling me to do it, it'll, not only will it be not impossible for me, it'll be so easy. It'll be like sailing with the wind at my back. It'll be like, like trying to farm in a in a, in, in a land that's abundantly supplied with rain. Some people, they, they create their own drought by the words of their mouth. They create their own problems. The devil, honestly, wishes he can cause more problems than the problems some people are causing with their own tongue. Most people blame the devil for everything. When the devil is actually, I didn't do it. It's, it's people's tongues. It's their own mouth that brings that makes them victims of impossibility. But instead, you can do the opposite. I can do all things. Nothing is impossible to him that believes. With man, this might be impossible. But I'm I'm not I've been crucified with Christ. Christ now lives in me. The one who does the impossible lives in me and he lives through me so that there's no longer any Barrier of impossibility. I can reach. I can go higher than anyone else has gone. I can go further than anyone else has gone. Because greater is he that lives in me than he that is in the world. You know that impossibility, inferiority complex comes from being a, a it comes from a result of, of not knowing the power of God. Not knowing the anointing, the power of the anointing that's resident in us. When you understand that God has put his anoint everything the fullness of God has been laid in you in bodily I have the Holy Ghost not some separate spirit the same power which raised Jesus from the dead lives in me when you walk like that I don't have inferiority complex I don't see myself as less than I don't see myself as someone who can't do any who, who you know I'm good for nothing I'm useless I see myself as useful to my generation. I see myself as a blesser to my generation. You ought to say that for yourself. I am useful to my generation. I am a, I'm a blessing to my generation. I can help my generation. I'm not to be encouraged. I am the encourager. I'm not to be helped. I am the helper. I'm not to be lifted up. I'm the one that lifts other people up. Be the power of God that lives in resident in me. You have to see yourself like that. I'm not less than, I'm more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ who gives, me, who gives me strength. Thanks be unto God who always gives me the victory. No man that stands before me 
will prevent me from inheriting and accessing the land that, has, that God has before me. Nothing will take me out of my destiny. I will press towards the goal. I will obtain the, the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, be on, thanks be unto God who always leads me to triumph in Christ Jesus. And through me, through me diffuses the knowledge of God in every place. Hallelujah. God before me, who can be against me? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Of what shall I be afraid? Though armies come against me, they'll stumble and they will fall. But as for me and my house, as we serve the Lord, we're not stumbling, we're not falling, we're mounted high upon wings like eagles. We run and don't grow weary. We walk and don't faint. We're blessed and we're blessed to be a blessing. We're helped by God and we're helped to be a helper. We're encouraged by the Holy Ghost and we're encouraged to be an encourager. You are, that's what you are. Examine yourself. Test yourself. Are you in the faith? How do you know you're in the faith? You have to understand Jesus Christ lives in you. Jesus Christ. I'm seated in heavenly places. Far above. Not far below. Far above. Nothing's impossible. There's no devil. There's no plan that the devil has written up. There's no blueprint of hell that can successfully wipe me out. I'm seated far above. You try to go to space. Without an astronaut suit. And you'll die like that. The, you're seated so far up. The devil doesn't. Unless. He, the devil can never get to that height. Without collapsing. Without dying. He won't even try to get to that height. He actually tried once. And the Bible says. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. He tried to ascend the, the throne of the most high God. He tried to get to that throne. But you know what's good? He tried to do it and failed. And in failing, he tried to disrupt man's, mankind's destiny by getting them to sin. But in getting them to sin, he only committed a redeemer. When that redeemer came, the Bible says he's made us alive together with Christ Jesus. And then he raised us up with him to be seated with him in heavenly places. The place the devil tried to get to, God placed us there just to smite and smack the devil in the face. That where the devil tried to get to, we got there by redemption, by mercy, by the blood of Jesus Christ. And now I'm far above every principality and power. Can you say amen? That's a beautiful message. That's a beautiful reality. Stop saying things are impossible. Stop saying I'm sick and tired. Stop saying I'll never make it. Stop saying we don't eat there. Oh, that's where rich people eat. That's where rich people live. I am rich. I am blessed. I am the head always. I'm not the tail. I'm above. I'm not beneath. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord has anointed my head with fresh oil. My cup is running over. My cup runs over to the left. My cup runs over to the right. My cup runs over forward because it's Christ above me, Christ beneath me, Christ on the side, Christ before me. Christ behind me. Everywhere I go, people see Jesus in me. Everywhere I go, the anointing is, is moving through me. Hallelujah. You have to see yourself like that. Stop speaking the way the world speaks. We've been take Our citizenship is in heaven. Start declaring what heaven says. Start speaking what heaven speaks. You know that when you stop speaking the word of God, you're neglecting so great a salvation. The Bible says, how can we escape? How can we escape what? How can we escape the devil's grip and stronghold if we neglect so great a salvation, which at first was spoken by the Lord? Meaning the salvation is what the Lord has spoken. It's the word of God. And when we neglect speaking what God's truth is, 
we actually neglect so great a salvation and in so doing, we never escape. But I'm here to tell you today, whatever the devil's done to you, whatever bondage the enemy has laced on you, Whatever strings he's attached to you and ropes that he's attached to you to keep you bound, to keep you backward, to keep you stagnated, to keep you depressed, to keep you anxious, to keep you like almost like you're feeling like you're in a spiritual straitjacket. Today in the name of Jesus Christ, as the fire of God fell from heaven and burnt the strings, the cords that had wrapped Samson's hands up by the anointing of the Holy Ghost, they burnt and were, were singed as by fire. I pray every cord, every chain, every affliction of the devil, every satanic stronghold that he set up around you to try and keep you in a bubble, to try and keep you bound, it gets burnt off by fire now in the name of Jesus Christ. You're coming out. You are blessed. You're highly favored. You're the head. You're the. You're not the tail. You're above. You're rising higher. You've been redeemed from the pit. You've been seated with the princes of God. You're a king. You're a prince. You're a royal priesthood. You're God's special possession. And you will shine forth His glory to your generation. Your family will see it and call you blessed. Your friends will see it and call you blessed. Your co-workers will see it and call you blessed. Because you are blessed and the blessing on the inside will overflow on the outside. All man will see that you are called by the name of the Lord and are blessed in Jesus mighty name very quickly if you want for you to partake of this life you need to be saved you need to give your life to Jesus Christ this stuff will never work for you until you're born again born again is not just you know believing God exists born again is praying a prayer where you accept Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of your life where you invite Jesus into your heart to live there to make to change you to transform you to make you a new creation you need to pray that prayer today you've let you've let life go as long as it's gone in this downward scale. But today you want to look up. Today you want to you want to get help by God. You want to you want to enter in to salvation. You want to enter into the ark before it's too late. You want to have your sins forgiven. You want to repent of your sins and turn to Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. I want to pray this prayer with me very quickly. I want you from the depth of your heart just pray this with me. Say, "Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for sending your son to die a sinner's death so that I can live a king's life. Thank you for the sacrifice of your cross. I believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and I confess with my mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord. Send Jesus to live in my heart. Come live in my heart, Jesus. Where I was weak, make me strong. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Make me brand new. Turn my life around. May my life be lived to your glory. Make me a vessel for honor in your, in your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. You prayed that prayer? You go on www.salvationnow.ca. There's a first link that pops up. I just got saved. I want you to click that. Fill out your information. I have a CD I want to send your way, uh, which is just things I would tell every Christian. Very basic instructions as to what to do now in your newfound life in Christ. Now that you got saved, what, what do I do? I want to get that message to you free of charge. I will never ha harass you for money. I'm not asking you for any money. I just want to get that. I, I pay for everything. Postage. E I just want to get it to you so that you have something. You have material now as to what the next step is. So please do that. Salvationnow.ca. The first link is I just got saved. Click that and fill out the information. Also, if you'd like to give today, you're, you're uh, on. You feel in your heart to give. I encourage you, you can give by going to Salvation Out, 
paypal.ca slash give. And uh, we, we accept PayPal, credit cards, whatever you want. Why do we give? You have to lose. Another mentality you have to lose. You know, something I, I don't say. I'm just giving to that church. Or I gave to that ministry. I don't give to any ministry. I don't give to any church. I give through ministries and I give through churches, but I give to Jesus Christ. The Bible says here on earth, mortal men receive tithes, but there he receives them of whom it is witness that he lives. Jesus Christ. I get my, my tithe and my offerings into the hands of Jesus Christ, but I use ministries like this one. I use ministries that are winning the lost at any cost. We have news that just came in yesterday. If you're watching, you'll get the advance notice. Most people don't know this yet. But we just got the stage approved in St. Leonard, Quebec, just about three minutes from my home church, Good News Chapel in St. Leonard, Quebec. We just got a, an approval to use a stage in one of the, it's like a, a, a very popular park in a heavily populated Muslim area where we got a stage approved, which is a state-of-the-art stage. They built it a couple of years back. It has performance level lighting. I think it has all the amplifiers. Everything is already set up. It's a beautiful stage that every time I would drive to church, I would always look at it and say, thank you, Father, for giving us that stage. Thank you, God, for giving us the opportunity to preach the gospel, the gospel from that stage. Thank you that many will be saved in this community. Well, yesterday we got a call that it's been confirmed. We received it. August 10th, we're doing our Hope Fest, just a one-day event this time, where we're going to do everything we use, giveaways, everything, and then we're going to slam the gospel as hard as we can, unashamedly declare the message of the cross to get people saved, get people healed, get people delivered. And we're going to see, I, I pray we'll see a thousand people come to the Lord in just one day. I pray that we're going to see Muslims taking off their burqas, taking off whatever, and coming to the altar, repenting of sin and confessing faith towards the Lord Jesus Christ. You want to be a part of that? You can sow into this ministry today. You can give and be a, plug yourself in financially with, the, with winning the loss. Because when you tie your finances to a ministry that's engaging the loss, you actually, you're, you're, you're touching what God loves most. And when you are financially engaged in what God loves most, you'll never lack in your own life. You'll never, I mean, look at the disciples. Jesus said, go now, preach the gospel, but don't take any money with you. When they came back, the Bible says in Luke 22, when I sent you out without purse, script, or any type of sandals or stamp, did you lack anything? They said nothing. They didn't lack anything. When you tie yourself, when you engage the ground of the harvest by sowing your financial seed into that ground, you are, you are listed into the realm and the dominion of no lack. You, you, any type of, you'll see things turn around. You make the Lord, you know, the Bible says the Lord is our shepherd. A shepherd, the sheep follow where the shepherd goes. A shepherd, where is the shepherd? Where's our chief shepherd? He's in the, he's in the field of the lost. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And when you follow the shepherd in winning the lost, that's when you enlist yourself into the army of having no lack and having no want. I encourage you today, go on our website. Give a, a seed of significance, something that, you know, he that sows sparingly will reap sparingly, but he that sows bountifully shall reap a bountiful harvest. And he that gives seed to the sower, that's what giving is. It's planting seed. You can pray all you want for, for God to bless you financially, but until you plant the seed of, the, of, the, of your financial, your financial, whatever you have, whatever level you're at, something that means something to you, 
You're not entitled to a harvest. But even if God would send rain, if there's no seed planted, there's no harvest granted. It takes you planting a seed, then thanking God that the harvest is coming. And as that happens, God will send the rain and you'll, you'll walk away. The Bible says, he that sows in tears. Why do they sow in tears? It's something that means something to them. You know, I, we've written up checks. This year we've given more, I think, this year than we did all of last year already in the first four months of this year. Why? Because time is short. People need to be one to the Lord. The, the loss needs to be harvested. Jesus even said, the harvest is ripe for harvest. He said, don't wait four months and then collect the harvest. He said, behold, now the harvest is ripe. Now's the date for people to get saved. Don't push it off to some f- future thing. So I, I encourage you today. Put something of so in tears. And the Bible says, he shall doubtless return, having his harvest with him in great joy. God's not looking to take from you. God's looking to get more into your hands. In Jesus' name, I thank you in advance as you give. God bless you, and I know my God shall supply all your needs according to His riches and glory. Stay connected with us by visiting us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching at TJ Malkanji, or visit us online, www.salvationnow.ca. God bless you, and until next time.